one of the things with ADHD is it's hard to, like the emotions we experience are so great. You know, we feel things in some ways greater than people who don't have ADHD. So it does become very challenging. Um, and one of the best, at least like, that I've experienced and research shows that meditation is one of the best sort of medications for ADHD long-term and creating that pause and that impulse control. You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. Welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. I am joined today by our favorite marriage and family therapist, Jamie Whitney. How you doing, Jamie? Good. How are you? Thanks for having great, me. Great to have you back on the show today. I know the last time that we met, we talked about anxiety and depression in recovery, and we'd had a subsequent conversation via the phone, and we were talking about ADHD, and I thought, wow, what a great show to talk with you about what is ADHD and how does it affect your sobriety. And you've got a personal experience with ADHD, correct? Yeah. Um, I was diagnosed formally when I was, I think, 12, um, but struggled my whole life with it and was always just told that I was bad and, you know, I always got in trouble for standing up in class and talking and just like the hyperactivity component as well, like I really suffered from. Um, and it really was detrimental detrimental to me um, throughout my life, especially as I got into grad school and was able to sort of reflect on that. Uh, so from 12 on, I was put on medication, but not given any tools. So that's a, a big component, I think, uh, when you're dealing with ADHD. So as a therapist, how do you identify if somebody has ADHD? Because honestly, I think in today's hyper-connected technological world with a cell phone in your hand and everything beeping and people calling and so much screens everywhere, isn't everybody a little bit ADHD, right? Everybody's yeah, a little but- distracted. And when, when I think about ADHD, I'm thinking about people that are kind of bouncing off the walls, can't, you know, can't do any kind of tasks. Is it that, or, or is it something different? So it gets tricky. So there is a criteria in the diagnos- diagnostic manual that therapists and psychiatrists utilize, and we look at different criteria, and if those are met, um, along with some diagnostic testing. Um, so in order to formally be diagnosed, you go through a battery of psychological tests, um, and really, like when we're looking at kids, we try not to diagnose it under 12. Um, but kids are getting diagnosed younger and younger. Um, but with technology, our brains are not meant to necessarily take in all this information. And so it does create this hyperactivity, this like addiction to the dopamine. So some of that can mirror um, ADHD. So when we're looking at especially with adults, like how much does it impact your life? Is it impactful enough that it causes a lot of distress? And there's the inattention and the hyperactivity, like the inability to control impulses is a big part of that. So sobriety, obviously, I'm just thinking about ADHD pre-getting sober, right? Do, do you find that a lot of people that 
are in recovery find out that they have suffered from ADHD? I believe so. I mean, a lot of people with undiagnosed ADHD self-medicate because it is your brain is moving oftentimes so fast and your thoughts are coming so quickly and it's distressing and you're told that you're bad and that all you know you get all this negative attention when you're not really able to control it so hence the self-medication as well and then when you get into sobriety right when, when you get into recovering you you say well you know what I'm going to now get sober and you start to get sober. How does ADHD hurt that process? You talked about impulse control and obviously a lot of early, you know, all of recovery isn't about impulse control, obviously, but early recovery is about impulse control a lot. It's feeling this feeling, it's overwhelming. You want to act on it and you have to create this pause. I imagine with ADHD, that becomes quite difficult. Yeah, because one of the things with ADHD is it's hard to, like the emotions we experience are so great. You know, we feel things in some ways greater than people who don't have ADHD. So it does become very challenging. Um, And one of the best, at least like, that I've experienced and research shows that meditation is one of the best sort of medications for ADHD long-term and creating that pause and that impulse control. What, what are some of the signs and symptoms? If you, if you are sober and you might've been sober a long time, right? Because I know a lot of people who were sober a decade and realized, wow, something's up. You know, just like the episode we did with anxiety and depression, you know, obviously getting sober is not the cure-all for everything in your life, right? Matter of fact, it actually sometimes is the introduction of the awareness that other things are wrong that that are going on that aren't working right in your life. Uh, But what are some of the signs that if they thought, well, you know, I was kind of all over the place and I had a hard time keeping my attention and a lot of these ADHD you know, ADHD signs that I see, maybe they were prevalent when they were drinking or using drugs, but now that they're sober, what should they look for? I think it's, you know, similar signs and symptoms and always go and see a psychiatrist because you want to be properly evaluated. If you're seeing a therapist, have that be the first line of defense and then go to a psychologist or psychologists are the ones that do the testing So go through that formal process so that you can actually get a formal diagnosis. Is it it typically, though, that people don't see, they see just an inability to keep attention long term? There's so many different factors. I mean, there's inability to keep attention. You know, if you're driving, do you easily distract? And, you know, there's there's two parts to that. Like, Mm -hmm. there's that hypnotic state that you get into when you're driving that's normal. But do you just completely go to your phone? Or do you forget that you're driving? You know, do you lose things all of the time? You know, do you have really poor time management? Um, Do you have a hard time remembering things? Do you have the inability to, like, kind of control the impulse to say something or to, um, you know, uh, in a meeting, like to sit through the meeting, like, do you just get up and walk away? 
you know, there's so many different sort of signs and symptoms, but, you know, some of the big ones are inability to sit still. And that gets a little bit tricky as well, because anxiety can, anxiety and ADHD are so closely um, kind of linked. And it is sort of hard to tell in some cases, like what is really the cause? Is it the anxiety? Is it the ADHD? Are they working together? Did one come from the other? Yeah. And, and I, and I think too, you know, what you see in early recovery, and I think it's kind of normal with people that, uh, especially if they've had a long past of addiction, right? When they first get sober, they have a hard time doing basic functions, right? So yeah. everybody has experienced that that's in recovery, maybe even for, you know, depending on how old you are, when you come in and how long you were, you, you were in active addiction, uh, you, you, there might, you know, might be a year or two, maybe even longer where you might not be able to operate at your full capacity or what's possible for you. Right. Right. And, and being able to kind of take it easy on yourself and to understand it's like, Hey, I'm in early recovery. You know, my mind's kind of all over the place. I need to kind of take, you know, get cut myself a break really. Right. Uh, I think is important, but I think when you're talking about ADHD, I think that this is important too, because there's a lot of people that were, they're, they're past that stage. Right. But they're really not able to concentrate long enough to get their work tasks done. They're not able to take care of basic things in their life, like paying bills or because they're constantly distracted. They're unable to really kind of work off a to-do list. Right. And it seems to me that that's maybe a sign. I know you, you know, you're the therapist. You would have to tell me that's kind of a sign of like, Hey, something might not be, maybe this just isn't recovery. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that initial phase, like you are getting your brain back. And so it's, hard to say whether or not you have ADHD early on in sobriety. So it is important, I think, to kind of, like you said, cut yourself some slack and, you know, the memory comes back. Um, the ability to like sit and calm and manage your anxiety, it all comes. Um, but yeah, as you get into later sobriety, you know, it, ADHD affects your executive functioning. So things like you were talking about like basic tasks and the ability to complete those, um, that's definitely a sign to, you know, look a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. You talked about meditation uh, being a real game changer when it comes to ADHD. Uh, do is there are there other things that you can do? What, what is the recovery path with ADHD? You know, there's no um, solution, but you know there is medication. And there is tools that you can learn to help manage your life. The meditation is a way that you can help with focus, with pause, impulse control. And then, you know, if you're like, for example, when I was in grad school, you know, I realized I had never really learned how to study for the way that I learned. Um, so I went and I got uh, an educational therapist and I worked with the educational therapist to help me learn how to manage my schedule, how mm. to study things that, you know, nobody, nobody knew that I didn't know because I was really good at just getting by. So I didn't want people to know that I didn't know or that I didn't catch everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because I would assume that, you know, look, mo most people that are in recovery, or, you know, if they've had an active addiction for a long period of time before they get sober, right? They're really good at playing the game. Yeah. At, you know, making excuses, covering up 
things, right? And so when you have ADHD and you really have an executive functioning issue, I, I imagine too, as, as your life starts to unpack and you become more and more emotionally sober, let's say, I, I would say that becomes more prevalent that something is maybe not right. Yeah. And really with ADHD, it's a spectrum. So mm-hmm. when you're looking at how it's impacting you, it's like the level of distress that you're experiencing. Is it so distressful that you can't get anything done? Then that's really a time that you want to take action. If it's distressful that, you know, you can't get some things done, there are kind of intermediary steps that you can take. You know, you can start meditating. You can start implementing different time management skills. Um, It's not fun to have to kind of hold yourself accountable. And that is hard with ADHD. Um, But when you have ADHD, structure is the most important Hmm. thing for you to have, even though it's the thing that nobody who has ADHD wants. So a little, little tricky there. Yeah, I imagine. I mean, the inability to be able to focus for a large period of time. I mean, I know over the years, I've been able to focus more and more and more and more and more. And I'm a pretty upbeat person, right? I don't know if I would necessarily call myself ADHD, but there are people that there are close friends that I have that I would actually really kind of diagnose if, if, if I had the ability to do as ADHD, just really the inability to hold focus for any period of time and then rationally discern what they need to do next in a sequence, right? right? And I see how that affects their life. With you, with your personal experience, did you just get to a point where it's just like, okay, I've got to do something? So when I was younger, I didn't really have a choice. Um, I was put on medication because I was getting in so much trouble um, at home and in school. And then I wanted, when I went to college, I decided I didn't need it and I didn't want to have to have the stigma of it. Um, And then when I was in grad school, um, it caused so much distress and so much like school trauma came back up uh, around, you know, how it, how hard it was for me to learn and the trouble that I had. Um, So it was so distressing that I needed to really take action Mm -hmm. at that point. And that's during that time I did, um, a meditation uh, practice, began a meditation practice and, you know, started taking medication and it helped dramatically. Yeah. Medication seems to be a very controversial issue in sobriety. We talked about it a little bit in our anxiety and depression episode. Uh, And I think this is even more so with ADHD because I, I think we all know people who have their first high actually was an ADHD medication, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of people link uh, having addiction issues specifically to being put on ADHD medication when they were children. Do you find that? Yeah. I mean, do you, fi- do, do you find that to, to be the case as a therapist or is it, is that, is that not the case? I don't know. I don't necessarily have enough data to say yes or no. But from what I understand, there is a higher incidence of addiction when there is not treatment for ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it depends on how old somebody is when they are medicated um, and you know, all of the support around them. 
Like, do they have, you know, the support and kind of uh, presence of the family and resources that are needed? Yeah. And I think, you know, um, and both, and just, I'm just going to clarify both Jamie and I are not doctors, right? So we're not prescribing medication or telling people they should be on medication. That's their personal choice. Um, can, Can you, but can you describe though, just in general, the medications are a stimulant for the most part. And so somebody without HDHD would, uh, receive this medication. They wouldn't, they wouldn't respond the same way as somebody who does not have ADHD. It would, the stimulant, the stimulus actually makes the person with ADHD calmer, correct? Right. So usually when somebody with ADHD takes the medication, they're able to focus, they feel more stable, calm versus somebody who doesn't have it does get activated and does get stimulated. Yeah. I, you know, and I've, and I I found that odd at at first when I first heard that I said, wait, that can't be right. So what you're saying is you're giving somebody a stimulant to calm them down. So obviously this has to do with the neuropathways in the brain and, and how we chemically respond, right? Uh, People that have that suffer from ADHD have this, you know, have this thing where it's really hard to do these executive functioning. Uh, The medication then basically, and, and anybody here that's exploring medication on this, and again, we're not saying you should or shouldn't take it. That's your your personal choice. But anybody exploring it, it doesn't really make a person with ADHD uh, more hyper, right? It doesn't, it doesn't right, right. make them high. It, it, it actually calms, it actually calms them down, which would, which would lead to why maybe a lot of people that have ADHD uh, early on and it's untreated end up having addiction problems because they're either trying to slow down their body or speed up their body in order mm-hmm. to kind of feel like they have some sort of balance. Right. Cause there's sort of two settings <clears throat> often when you have ADHD, it's like gas pedal is all the way down or you're exhausted, can't get out of bed. So it's when you're unmedicated. So there is, it is hard to kind of find a middle ground. Yeah. And I think, you know, yeah, I, I think that, that that's gotta be torturous, especially when it comes to impulse control, because I, I would see that ADHD would be a huge factor of relapse with people who've been sober long-term that feel like they just really seriously cannot somehow, I guess the, the word that I hear from people with ADHD is, is I just can't pull it all together. Right. I just can't. I I really I have all the things in my life. I should be able to pull it all together. I'm sober. I'm working a program. If they're in a 12 step program or they're going to therapy or they're doing whatever, they're doing everything that they need to do. But they still feel that they just they just cannot work off a to do list or executive functions all messed up. They're confused a lot. They can't work things in sequence. Right. And I, and I think that these are all signs that there might be, you know, something else going on. What if you, if you, if somebody's listening to this and they've had this issue and they're like, wow, this is me, you know, what, what should they do, Jamie? What should they do? If you're seeing a therapist, talk to your therapist about it. If you don't have a therapist, I recommend getting a therapist, but also checking in with a psychiatrist and figuring out how you can go through testing if that is what is prescribed. Because mm-hmm. the between the therapist and the psychiatrist, they're going to run through diagnostic measures to see if it is ADHD or if it's something else. 
Um, and then I, I just want to kind of circle back to me medication because I've talked a lot about it, but medication is not the only answer for ADHD. Mm -hmm. There are many people, especially in sobriety, who don't take medication and they are okay and they find other ways that they can get things done that they need to get done and they learn, you know, different, um, different methods that work for them. Yeah. They, you know, I know a lot of people that have ADHD that have designed their life around who they really are. Excuse me. Like that, that's who they are. Like, so they know that they're not somebody who can sit down in a cubicle for 18 yeah. hours a day. That's just not them, right? They have a job where they're out and about, they're talking to people, short attention span things are better for them, you mm -hmm. know, and, and they have a, a, a very fulfilled life and are very, very successful. You know, I think the key here is obviously recovered life is about living your best recovered life when you're sober. And, and, you know, I thank you so much for being on the show today to, you know, going over this because I think there's so many people that suffer from ADHD that are in recovery and it's untreated and they're beating themselves up. Really, they're beating themselves up and they're saying, you know, and I hear this a lot. Why can't I get my bleep together, right? Why can't I pull it together? It's like, I have everything that I need and I just can't execute anything. And clearly something's going on that has nothing to do with their sobriety, but it's this never ending cycle of I'm wrong. I'm bad. I'm beating myself up. Things are never going to change. And I think that this is a, you know, really an episode of hope you sharing your story that things can change. Absolutely. And by knowing what you're dealing with, you can counteract the negative stories that you have going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, getting treatment for ADHD and exploring it and meditation and all the things that you'd mentioned here, I think is a great solution uh, to really living your best recovered life. Jamie, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.